you talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Well, then who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? No funny how. I mean, funny. I'm Peter Brink. We all go a little mad sometimes. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Yo! Yo! <laughs> yeah, you doing? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm doing I'm doing everything I can. How are you? The same. I do I'm... everything I can possibly can, I do. <laughs> Sometimes there's something I can't do. I just try and do it anyway. For example? For example, um, walk on water. <laughs> I can't. Tried. I've tried it because I saw um, it was like a magic thing over the Christmas period, and one of them walks on water. I said he didn't seem to have terribly large feet. I thought I can do that. Yeah, yeah. Turns out I can't. No. no. Was it ba- bathtub? No, no. For the, you know the river around the back of my house. Yes. So because there's mainly rocks and stuff. So I thought you could I'll, just I'll get away on, with it. Yeah. I'll walk on yeah. the rocks and then. I'll just try into the water. I just went in the water and got wet. What are we doing today, Andy? We are going to discuss the great Michael Keaton and his new film, Birdman. Birdman. Yes. Birdman. Yes. Uh, or as the subtitle said, the unexpected virtue of ignorance. ignorance. Yeah. How did we end up here? This place is horrible. Smells like balls. We had it all. You were a movie star, remember? Who was this guy? He used to be Birdman. I like that poster. You wrote this adaptation? I did, yeah. And you're directing and starring in your adaptation. That's ambitious. Are you afraid people will say you're doing this play to battle the impression that you're a washed-up comic strip character? Absolutely not. That's why 20 years ago I said no to Birdman 4. Hold the mask off! You do have the mask Now you're about to destroy what's left of your career. We should have done that reality show they offered us. Shut up. You know I'm right. You're so nice! Hey, what's up? Why don't you try to rest a little bit? Face it, Dad. You're doing this because you're scared to death, like the rest of us, that you don't matter. And you know what? You're right. You don't. Baby, can you understand me now? Sometimes I get a little mad. Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel? When things go wrong, they seem to go bad. Listen to me. I'm just you are the original man. Let's make a comeback. That's what I'm talking about. You're a bird man. You are a god. Hey, is this for real or are you shooting a film? A film! You people are full of shit. Music. He's a Hollywood clown in a Lycra bird suit. 
Yes, he is. But he's going out on that stage and risking everything. This is about being respected and validated. Remember, that's what you told me. That's how you got me into this shit. I got a chance to do something right. I got to take it. Let's go back one more time and show them what we're capable of. There you go, you motherfucker. really good trailer but yeah. well, did you find okay what did it what did it tell you what did the trailer tell you before you actually started watching the film um washed up actor who's trying to make a comeback yeah and it's probably going to be funny hopefully yeah hopefully yes. that nothing that, that, were you afraid that everything in the trailer that was funny was all there was did you have like I never evening? consciously thought that no no I, I kind of saw it. I saw Zach Galifianakis was in it. Zach Galifianakis. Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis is in it, and I thought I like him. He's yeah. good. He's I always like Keaton, no matter what he's in. I've got a Edward Norton. Edward Norton, yeah. Did not find annoying in this film whatsoever. Do you normally find him annoying? Not normally. Of late, I have. Ah, apart yeah. from the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is just fantastic, and everyone in that's brilliant. Yeah, I think we'll touch upon um, Edward Norton. That's probably the wrong phrase. I'm going to, to touch actually... Edward Norton. Is he here? <laughs> right. What a surprise. If you think about the, the role that he had in this movie, I think people would want to keep a bit of a distance from his um, yeah. his um, throbbing um, appendage. Well, only when he's on stage, though. He can't get it up. <laughs> That's great. So um, Birdman is a black comedy. And it's a black comedy about a washed up, like you say, it's a washed up uh, actor who yeah. is trying to bring his career back to life uh, through means of theatre. And that yeah. one big theatre gig. And it's almost as if he's hanging everything on to this, this one. That's exactly what he's doing, isn't it? Yeah, everything is just hanging on to this one production. Mm. Michael Keaton's in it. Great. We haven't seen in. I mean, th this is the funny thing because uh, he he said this in an interview that uh, he finds it strange that people think that they they haven't seen him for a long time. Funnily enough, yeah, I thought that. I thought I've not seen I've not seen him for eight. Apart but, from when he turned up in like Robocop, but he's worked consistently since what seventy. Exactly, yeah. I think the difference is is that he's done the work, but he hasn't tried to uh, jump out. Uh, jump on top of anybody's uh, performances or he hasn't tried to kind of be anything beyond the role that he's been given you know he, yeah. he knows if he's got a supporting role he's, he's going to be supporting you know Jackie Brown uh, like you say Robocop he is not Robocop he, no. he's not going to jump out and say hi here I am you know I'm Kendall and Toy Story he's not going to just yeah he, he he's just realises that he doesn't need to be all over the production mm. Go, yeah, going back to Toy Story. It's introduced in Toy Story 2, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I remember thinking, who is that? I know that. All the way through, I had to that wait voice. for the credits and thought, oh, it's Keaton! But he, that's, how it, that's how it's how I said it. That's Keaton! It's Keaton! I'm so excited. Oh, yeah. I love him. Uh, do you know what? I, sorry, um, I just realised I was going to do my joke about me thinking it was Dying Keaton. You can mix that in. Nah, let's cut it out. Oh, right. It's not even funny. <laughs> 
what am I going to do sit here wearing a pair of pants that go right up to my nipples am <laughs> like, I just going to sit there you know <laughs> yeah Birdman is yeah I, I, I think it was one of these film experiences that I did not expect to be so good uh, that makes me happy to hear you say that yeah I didn't really expect does. it to be this good and I was surprised I, 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 I didn't know what to expect going in I watched it with my wife and she doesn't usually watch these kind of films mm. there's so much to touch upon about this film alone because my expectations going into it was it's got, I think this is going to be really good yeah you actually had... I, I thought this is going to be really good I just had that feeling about the yeah. film it way better than I thought it was going to be it's impressive isn't it when you can actually get that experience. yeah I mean from performances yeah I mean the the way it's filmed is technically incredible astonishing yeah. I mean to you, I couldn't you, the, the cuts are there they're obvious yes they're like night yeah. and day cuts or they walk into a room and it goes dark for a second you can see the cut but then yeah but at some points it was like 30 minutes there was no cut yeah, yeah. It's it felt it felt like it was, and and the, the idea was is that they really really wanted to have the whole film as as like you're watching Broadway, like you are watching theatre. Yeah, but it never feels like a theatre performance to no, watch. It's still cinematic. It's still, it's still cinematic. Still yeah. you. And the only other film that I can think of that was uh, anywhere like that, but didn't quite get the cinematic feel was uh, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Yeah, Rope. Yeah. And Rope really was just one stage. Mm. Uh, leading into another room um, but with this they literally just put you right there in the middle of New York City they yeah. put you right there and you're literally just following them around and you if if you really allow yourself you you can just get so deep into that film that you just don't you know you just don't know where you are you just you just lost in it and it's that good yeah, and I, it's gonna yeah, and it's gonna need repeat viewings because yes, I, I, you watch it and it's a film like as we said, just about an actor who's on his ass basically and he's trying to make his big comeback. Yes, then it's a film that's about family being a father. Then it's a film about celebrity. Yeah. Then it's a film about um, throw some rediscovery. Yeah, so, rediscovery. Yeah. Rediscovery. Uh, redemption a, redemption um, it, it's it's about relationships with, with with people who are difficult to have relationships with like the critic yeah I mean there's that, that beautiful I line that's, I think yeah we're going to, but that scene I think was with when he approaches the critic I think is one of the most important scenes in the whole film it is and it's about it's about being real yeah. it's about the, the, the thing is this film is not afraid to be honest no, absolutely and, and, not. It, it, yeah, another level of it, which we just need to talk yeah. about, is it's attacking the whole superhero film genre that's you know saturating blockbuster cinema now. But there's yeah, there's, there's there seems to be this is like the least I've never seen so little bullshit in a movie in my life. I don't yeah. think where you actually feel as though that that nothing is being contrived, nobody's setting people up, that they're not waiting for their line to be delivered. They're literally just living and breathing in this environment. Exactly, in this, in this and, film. and every character is so well drawn. Yeah, everyone gets the moment to shine, what even a... just little like bit parts yeah. and little extras. It, it seems there's more to everything in it. And, and and that that's a testament not just to director because I'm sure he had a say in, in who was going to be cast, 
but the casting uh, people there as well. I mean, yeah, I yeah. mean who, whoever decides on getting these people in for for the roles and knowing knowing in that one audition that that person is the right person. Yeah. They, I don't think that I, I can't see anybody else in these roles, and that's what is so amazing. I mean, even Zach Galifianakis. I mean, Zach Galifianakis is one of those people who I think uh, he could be hit and miss in at any moment. But he he just honed in on that role, and he just he didn't try to do anything but that role. Yeah, obviously he's, he's doing what the director's telling him to do. He's not being all Zach Galifianakis, but but that's, he's very uh, understated in it. Yes. And he, man, he can act. He can, and that's it. I mean, the the whole idea, I think, of a, of a great performance is not the fact that you can be brashy and jumpy and roll around like Beetlejuice or another Michael Keaton film, yeah. um, but to actually be non-responsive in a role is as important. Mm. It's it's the um, it's the Dustin Hoffman graduate thing. Yeah, that that the actual no response is often the best response for 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 something to actually happen on screen. By delivering nothing is it, and for something to actually happen from nothing yeah. is, is is it's a really really tough thing to do to actually underplay a, a role. I think uh, that that's probably why I'm not an actor. Reason number forty-seven. <laughs> you are an actor, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, there there are some incredible things in this film, and, and I think the first thing we just touched upon was the the cutting, the uh, the different. Uh, long scenes, the uncut. It's shot like theatre, and um, a lot of those scenes have have the characters just walking and talking. Yes, and that is a risk. That is always a risk in movies because recently, whenever we've seen um, films where there's a lot of walking and talking, there's a huge chance of getting bored and getting irritable about the fact that people are just walking and talking, but not here. No, definitely not. And I think a lot, a lot of the time, you'd be following, say, like Michael Keaton, and you know they're having a discussion, and then Naomi Watts will come down a corridor, and then you go and follow her for a little bit until you rejoin Michael Keaton on the stage. Yes, and that interplay and oh, we'll follow you. It's like it's so natural. It's yeah, it's so natural. It's yeah. as if you're flying Organic. on the wall, just following them around. Like, yeah. oh, you know what? You're interested. I'll go and follow you for a bit. Oh, who's this? I'll go over there, and the camera just follows, and it's and how. The lighting in this film is astonishing how because the they do the light? Yeah. we've both acted on stage. Yes. And you know how dark it is in the back of theatres and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The lighting must have been... Because you never lose any lighting and it's no. all... And it's constant and it it's easily flows through the back of the stages and... Incredible. That's it. And, and they don't lose any detail. I mean, even... No. You know, and it is... I mean, that's like working in Ultra 4D... Uh, having the brain to be able to actually light in a in a 3D environment, knowing mm. that at any moment the camera is going to turn, and and for some cinematographers, turning a camera in a in a, in a scene that's that's just been perfectly lit, yeah, is is a whole lot of homework and a lot of lot of work for them to have to to have to to work on, because you're then going to lose that lighting over there and everything that all the lights that are actually coming down this way, yeah. <laughs> that's what it is Aye. it is exactly that it is, it is an astonishing effort yeah and it should be noted that the cinematographer was Emmanuel Lubinsky yes who's the guy who did the massively overrated but technically great gravity 
Yeah. And oh, he also right. did the cinematography for Children of Men, which is a, a okay. Okay. You can see it. He's got yeah. a style of that long shots. Yeah. But there are so there are uh, lighting is probably I think it's one of the hardest things. Like we said, we we, we like sound is, is is as difficult. But lighting mm. is something that you you can miss. You can you could spend more more time doing lighting than you can actually do filming. Oh come on! Um, we, we both know you can set up uh, <laughs> a ten. You know, like a one minute shot. It takes you about two yeah. hours to get this the lighting right. Do you remember in the car for CSO three when I, we, we were simulating vehicles going past um, by using um, a light? Yeah. And unfortunately, I kept on putting my arm in front of the camera, <laughs> yeah. so, so you could just see Andy sitting there. Uh, in the in the passenger driver's seat, just just touching his forehead, and all of a sudden this light comes towards him <laughs> from the back. In the shot, it's it's hard, it's tough, and it in, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things that really stood out. And the, again, the dangers of shooting in this style is how long it took them to get it right. Yeah. One little thing goes wrong, and you're right back to the beginning. Right, another half an hour shot that they've got to yeah. set up again. Go the right and right again. Right, let's go. But Zach's, uh, Zach Galifianakis said that that was probably one of the hardest things he had to do, and there was a couple of times where he made a mistake on a line. And but he was, luckily, he's gotten to the uh, to the point where he's he's so talented that he's able to cover the mistakes, and the mistakes are still in the film. Wow! And that's that's one of those things that you know if you're if you're a really intuitive actor and you know you've made a mistake. But you're still in the character. You're able to kind of redirect that mistake and get it back on the path again. That's and, but, a yeah, but, a testament to the actors to know he's made a mistake, but just to, just go with it. And usually, Catherine would notice these things if a, if a, like ah, he forgot his line or he repeated his line again. Was that a mistake? Sometimes we sit there and think that there's there's something not quite right. There's something not organic with that performance just then. It's like he just forgot who he was. But none of that happened with any no. of these actors. Standout performances for you. Apart from all of them. Apart from all of them. Um, it's worth noting that, you know, Keaton has just won a Golden Globe. Yes, just last night. Just last night, yeah. Emma Stone. I liked her. I thought she, she was fantastic in it. She was great. And she, she had a couple of great monologues, I think, that um, that really pulled her out. Yeah. But that that a, a scene lot of where it, she, she basically... Because her dad's saying... Because she smokes a spliff, doesn't she? Yeah. And her yeah. dad's making it all about him. Which yes. he's, would have, he's an actor. You. It's all about him. Yeah. What yeah. are you doing to me, kind of thing? And that that monologue she fires back at him is just fantastic. Brilliant. It is. Um, but what I, I kind of find with Emma Stone is that whenever actors are there doing their thing, she she tends to kind of look like she's just watching the scene. There's only a, there's, there's a couple of times where I just kind of felt as though she wasn't always just. Uh, I, I kind of felt as though she, to me. I kind of want uh, wanted her to kind of be more engaging when she wasn't saying anything. Yeah. See, I didn't get that. I got, I got yeah, I, I just feel, little tiny moments. I just I, thought, like, because I, I know what you mean. Yeah. And I registered it like that, but not, I just took that as she's vacant. She's just got out of rehab. And she, be, yeah, she's a little yeah. bit invested in herself and in her own head. And Maybe I'm ignorant of, of uh, that. that uh, well, you've never been in rehab, have you? No, I clearly haven't, you know. <laughs> And um, but I, I'm very good at vacant staring, so maybe it's, it's because I don't like that part about myself that I'm just picking on her. 
That's interesting. Every time I talk, so that's how you look at me. Just vacant. Yeah, and maybe it's, yeah, maybe I just have issues. Maybe this this film is really just a big therapy book that just slams against your head and says, "Look, yeah, you, you pay attention to this because this is what you're doing. You're fucking up." Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I, I, maybe I was just being a bit harsh on, on Emma Stone there then. Uh, but yeah, standout performances. I can't really, you know, everybody just seems to just fit. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's anybody I'd want to replace or well, definitely out, not no you know? absolutely not Michael Keaton noted actually that um, that the actor at the beginning of the film who who he Edward Norton replaced because he got hit in the head with a lamp spoiler alert by the way guys which is blackly comic I laugh that was freaking amazing because yeah, it's just so he's a terrible actor you know what I mean and then yeah. just like boom <laughs> But what happens is so great. And ironically, uh, he says that that the actor there was probably one of the most seasoned actors, theatrical actors of the entire assembled cast. Either yeah. either Michael Keaton's just trying to be ironic for the sake of saying that this guy left the film early, and we kind of totally respect him for that for what he did. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's it's kind of interesting that he said that that he was probably one of the mm. most professional. And for him to actually play an actor who was playing bad was 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 totally against. You know his true nature. That's a, a nice juxtaposition from a bad actor just being bad, and then a good actor acting bad. Yeah, and that that, that probably is just as hard. You I know? would imagine so. Yeah. I mean, to be, I mean, I like, find it really difficult to act bad. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> well, we ought to try that. Oh, we we have tried. That. Yeah, we tried, we succeeded. <laughs> we, we tried. It's like yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> oh, but. Yeah, but we're just not a. This film has fear, but it's not afraid. It's it's not afraid to have fear. No, it's 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 a brave, gutsy, gutsy film. film. And uh, there's that whole thing about you know when you're making a making when you're writing a script, you write scenes and you write scenes and you 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 you're taught that you need to go in late and, and leave the scene early. Mm. Okay, and what's amazing about this film is that uh, how about you never know if you've actually entered or if we actually left at all. That's what Birdman is. You don't know. You don't know when you've actually started the scene or when you've left it. You're simply just in this. Yeah, this, and there's no sort yeah. of time. You, there's no relative time in there. No. You, you go because at one point, at one stage, you sort of just you're on Keaton and he's dressed in certain clothes. And then it follows someone else, and then the camera never—it doesn't seem to. The next thing you know, you're in the actual. It's part of the play. Mm. You're in the play, and and he's in different clothes now. I'm like, when did that happen? What's all that about? Exactly. You don't know that you left the scene. You don't know that you've gone some. You know you've gone somewhere, but you just don't know temporal. It messes with your head in terms of time. Yeah. Because the best, the best part where it does that. Is, I think it was just on Keaton, and then it, then it goes between some trees and some, mm. you know, and the and next thing you're in bed with Edward Norton and Naomi Watts, and he's actually trying to have sex with her. Yeah, and you, you, and that was quite funny. The fact that um, that um, we, we were tricked several times, yeah, thinking that because there was a moment where he was just casually walking towards the stage, and we saw the audience, and Catherine just sat there and went, "Oh, oh, he's just, he's just, what's he doing?" Yeah, and then all of a sudden he just joins the scene on stage. She said, "I thought he was going to go and into, he was just going to go and disrupt the the, the play." She didn't realise he was actually in the play, yeah. and it's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I, I get it now. Yeah, sure." It's like, 
but then they do disrupt the play and then they do start messing around with the uh, with the, the presentation and the yeah, <laughs> things start falling apart and I, I love that that was hilarious a lot of those scenes on the stage I think they would probably uh, just as entertaining as yeah you know. like when Ed, Edward Norton when they do the first preview of it he's drinking actual gin and then had like a breakdown on stage love it that it's was fantastic. brilliant really good then talking about let, let's talk a little bit about uh, Edward Norton because I've just got a few things that I've noted that his um, he's always he's always exceptional and he he always seems to enjoy um, playing these characters that are split yeah and he has a history of films where being a split character um, it's his thing it's definitely his thing uh, like Eddie Murphy is to latex Edward Norton is to different personalities okay. <laughs> yes, that's my wonderful <laughs> reference because he's he's done so many films where he's played um, that whether against himself either in his mind or externally I mean the primal fear he was schizophrenic yeah in uh, Fight Club he had multiple personality disorder in Death to Smoochie he has a kind of a split between when he's playing Smoochie the, the, the mascot and he's been the the actor who plays Spucci, the, the mascot. You've right. got to see that movie. It's kind of an interesting, odd movie. But uh, And then you've got The Incredible Hulk, where he is Bruce Banner and the Hulk. American History X, when he was a neo-Nazi, and now no longer is. Yeah, and then he is, yeah, well, the, definitely splits, yeah. directly right down the middle. And then you've got Leaves of Grass, where he plays uh, both brothers, and he literally has scenes of himself arguing. Uh, and he does it so convincingly it's so done it's done so well um, right up until the point where he's actually holding himself uh, dying in his arms in his own arms he he's I've never known an actor playing with himself on on the scenes and, and <laughs> I know you mean, I know you but uh, yeah he's he's great with mirror work he's he's he knows his mirror yeah and of course when I see him standing in front of a mirror in this in this film I just kind of see that as an homage to his career. Okay. It's like little, little, little kind of nuggets of symbolism that are purely for the actors, and I think that that mirror scene was was all about that—the fact that that's what he is. That's the kind of actor he is. Yeah. Okay, uh, I've got a question for you. Okay. Does Michael Keaton work with or without fear? He's been around. He's done a lot of movies. I would say... He, I think he has for this. Yes. You can see it. Yeah. Um, he didn't in Robocop. No. Which was last year. And um, I can't... He, Jackie Brown. Most of his films, no fear. This one, yeah. Since Batman, he had no, no fear. Pretty much, yeah. And that, that's just an interesting little line. They said he had not played Birdman since 1993, which was his last Batman film. Yeah, yeah. Which had just a little line I picked up. Well, that's interesting. Oh, I never, I never got that one. But yeah, I was. I think everything was. It was very obvious that the voice of Birdman was the voice of Batman. But modern Batman, you know, uh, yeah, the, it, <clears throat> which, yeah, which is odd because I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, because I think when he played Batman. Back in the nineties, yeah, wasn't a massive difference with his voice, was there? From when he was playing Bruce Banner, when he was playing Batman, Bruce, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Banner, brilliant. 
I know why they have to be, have to be called Bruce. Come on. I'm interested because the the pick up line, the have a little dig at Robert Downey Jr. Yes, um, that's true. What other superheroes actors did he ever dig at? Michael Fassbender. Because said, "I'll get Michael Fassbender." Yeah. Because it's sort of they're having a dig at oh, like people who can act, who are good actors who are now in these superhero films, have a little dig at. They don't have a dig at Edward Norton for being in Hulk, though. I noticed that. That's true. That is very true. So um, we'll let him off because he's in the film and he's really good. Yeah. Well, has Emma Stone done anything? Shoot Spider-Man. There you go. Yeah. So uh, maybe that's that's probably a little bit of influence there for the casting. Yeah. That there has to be some sort of a link with with superheroes in some way or indirectly. So do you think the film in some ways is sort of angry at the? that you know whoever's made this film is sort of angry at so much superheroes and cinema now okay let me say this and, and be very serious and uh, and just open my bottle of water while, while I say this because it, it, it kind of feels right um, all comedy is serious every comedy um, any anything that is funny every joke that is said in that in a film black whether it's black comedy stupid comedy there is always an element of truth and I think that that is exactly what you, you just hit the nail on the head that there is it's it's telling Hollywood you know you've got you've got a lot of um, I mean if, if you think about this film or if you compare it to all the Transformers films and all the thing, things that we we get angry about mm. recently we, we've been saying it so much that Hollywood is losing its way it doesn't have any fear it's not making movies that really make you think it's not making movies that are slow that, that draw you in um, this film is literally just telling everyone yes you can yes you can and, and maybe this is the, the front runner of a kind of a new, newly discovered Hollywood that's going to say, okay, Birdman was really successful. What did it do? It subverted the rules. It mm. broke new grounds. It told everybody that they're being ridiculous about this whole this whole superhero thing. And it, in a way, I mean, I know you're you're a fan of the Marvel and the, the, these these films, but in a way, there are a heck of a lot of there's a lot of overexposure when it comes to superhero movies. There is, and, and that's because think, that's what that's what's been selling, that's what's mm. been making the money. So that's all. But is that all that we want? That's not what we want, but that's what the big, that's what the people who own the studios want. They want to earn money. I'd say it's not about yeah. artistic. But imagine which we've talked about quite a lot. You know? But imagine if superhero movies weren't the thing, they would have found something else that would have been the big seller, and they would be pumping that. Oh, of course, you know, like in the eighties, it was just action films, so that's yeah. what they pumped the money in. Then, exactly. what was it in nineties? Dinosaurs, dinosaurs, yeah, <laughs> Godzilla, and um, but yeah, I mean, th this is that's what, what I love most. What, the yeah. scene when he goes up to the critic, gives her a drink, and she basically just, you know, I want you to lose because I hate you. And what why I think it's so important that scene is it polarizes both. Yeah, both parts of that because she's a sniffy critic who thinks you're you've just come from superhero films, therefore you're worthless and have no artistic credibility. Yeah, you know what I mean. And he's coming from the side of saying, "Well, no, don't judge me on that." Yes, I can't. I can't. So you judge me on this performance. On this, around, this yeah, right exactly. now, yeah. whatever's before. She'd already decided it's rubbish because she she's come he's come from a background that she deems not well. So you've got both yes. sides there. You've got the side of saying, "Well, 
the Sniffy Critic, uh, who's talking about one set of people who won't watch superhero films because it's stupid. Yes. But then you've got people saying, well, no, don't judge it until you've seen it. Yeah, that, that, that's exactly... That, I love that. Because what that, that makes me think, I actually, when I saw that scene, and you were right about saying that it's probably one of the most important scenes in the film, they said something along the lines of, I think I actually wrote it down, yes, when he says to her, you risk nothing, this play cost me everything. Yeah. And of course there's foreshadowing there, because it, 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 it seems to be that there's that... Uh, possibility that it did almost cost him his life yeah but it kind of stopped me in my tracks and I thought should I actually be reviewing films Do, should I should I be critical of uh, should I be criticising films mm. I mean is there such thing as there being no bad movies and uh, am I stomping on if, if we ever do find a bad movie do we actually go too far as to say how much we hate it just because it's popular to do so is she you know, is it seems to be mm. it's popular to put the dirty on on actors who are who are now playing superhero films, even though they actually have done good things in the past. Mm. Um, it seems popular to to break things that are you know to, to break older actors who are trying to play younger roles that kind of thing there's there's a lot of things that we are told already to be that to be negative about and i think that she's just encapsulated that whole thing with that with that one phrase there you risk nothing this play cost me everything we're, we're not we're not putting any, any risk involved in our reviews we're not actually putting ourselves out there to to better anything but it's always easier to destroy and it's always easier to kind of take the popular road and break things down yeah i think it's human nature to to look at anything yeah and say what's bad about it yes it's very hard to look in and say well all right let's find out what's good about that yeah what is good about dumb and dumber 2 there has to be i mean I'm sure that when we we go on to other films in the in the near future, the very near future, um, <laughs> that we're probably going to be talking about, you know, old people who actually do put a movie together. Mm. I mean, there are people who made Dumb and Dumber Two who are talented people, and yeah, I mean, again, the opposite could also be true. There could have been people working on Birdman who were just complete assholes. You never know, and but you know it still gets things well, done. A jury's out on whether Naomi Watts is a decent person. You know what I mean? I found she's she walked out over uh, an interview with Simon Mayo. Did she? Yeah, she, he was asking her just about Diane, and she was like, "Right, well, we're being told to stop the interview now. We're, no, thank you," and just stops it. And he, I yeah. think he had like about a minute left to work, talk with her, and just oh. left him. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's that's just disappointing. I think it's because she knew she'd made an awful film, but yeah. But so you know, everybody makes those kind of films. It's not. But, but what's but, good about Diane? But what's good about Diane? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always questionable when when bad films are made. Why these films are actually made? And we kind of it's it's a mind boggling situation because we ourselves want to make film. We ourselves want to sell our, our ideas. We think we firmly believe and love the things that we've written 
and we'd love to see them on the big screen and we're kind of like we we kind of feel it, it does feel we discussed raging. this before yeah, yeah. About, but say you've got a person who's yeah. trying to make something good and it doesn't turn out to be good and then put that against Michael Bay who's just putting awful sexist stuff out because that's what he is yeah. at the core and he's not bothered about making anything good yeah. he's just bothered about making money and advertising Yeah. so it's okay to because I'll bring this back to Birdman because why was he making it yeah it's, amb- it's ambivalent it's ambiguous different. sorry because is he making it because he wants to do something um, artistically great or is he only doing it to get his name back out there Yes. Which one of them is it? Because you don't yeah. know. You don't know. Yeah, you're right. Is he a nice person who's just really desperately trying to do something, or, or is, is it just, personal? Is it is personal? It, Does he it, just want to be back in the limelight again? Yeah. And okay, so I, th- I think we've really, really hit home on on a lot of points there, and there's a lot of things that we can't answer because it is such a subjective movie, and I think there's so many things in this film that can that we don't know for sure because it's left ambiguous. Yeah. and that's the best kind of film we've already said that and then, oh, absolutely. When, you, when you've got things that are answered constantly you didn't have any characters standing there saying well he's doing this because of this and that and because of that mm. um, thank goodness <laughs> but there, there is one element of this film that, that is the biggest question on everybody's lips uh, is Birdman real? is Michael Keaton um, imagining that he has telekinesis powers? The opening shot is perfect. Where he just fades in, and he's just he's just like hovering, isn't hovering, he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. It's fantastic, and it's like balls. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first word that I heard because I, I you go in and you kind of looking at things, yeah. and I didn't pay attention until he said balls. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting because that first shot, you, yeah. I was look, I was fascinated. I was looking around the room, yeah, looking at all yeah. the things that were going on, as if I was just there. Yeah, that's the feeling you 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 just going around watching this. Yeah, and, and that's it. Them. You are a fly already. You you yeah. it's like you've just come out of your cocoon and you've got you've got the, your first chance to fly for the first time. I'm Jeff Goldblum. You we're Birdman. Maybe we are Birdman. Maybe the the, the viewer sitting here is the Birdman of the situation of that film. Yeah, and that's the whole point. That's why we're always gliding behind him. I mean, when we actually do see Birdman, he is just, just gliding behind him. Behind him. So there's there's that kind of audience participation feeling that you are you know you you really want to believe that there is a birdman in this film as much yeah. as he does, but the fact that that the, this the scenes where we think that he's flying and then all of a sudden he he lands goes into the theater and then yeah, the, then the taxi, taxi cab chases him. You're not paying me. I I can't believe how ingenious that is. <laughs> So, oh, so good so good because because you don't know what to believe and a part of you wants to believe that he is he has got this telekinesis I kept on saying that as things in Cavity because when, when he jumps off I said no no don't worry don't worry he is Birdman <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't get thrown out of the theatre um, <laughs> that's such a beautiful scene that's a beautiful moment where yeah. he just he just drops off and then he just goes flying around the city it's beautiful yeah. And you don't care that it's he's dangling in a in a green screen environment to do it, you know. You don't care that you know because no. you are totally sold that this is you're in his mind and you're just going for it, you know. Yeah. 
because that's when he's just basically took on he's embraced that he's Birdman hasn't he because up to that point when this voice starts he's arguing shut up shut up all yes, the time resisting yeah and it's when he's like got himself drunk and he's falling asleep on the street hasn't he he wakes yeah, up and he's just yeah. walking and Birdman's talking to him you know saying it's when he's most vulnerable an- yeah let's make another Birdman we'll make a billion by next year you know and then he just embraces it. all that with the massive sort of bird and oh yeah yeah, yeah. Of, that's, just, that's just his mind going wild yeah, no, it looks just, amazing it's great isn't it and then when he's embraced it he suddenly he's happy isn't he and then he just goes flying off into the city I've fantastic. never seen so much happiness from, from a character it's freedom it's like a freeing feeling and it's yeah yeah and you get that when you when yeah. you accept something about yourself it's enlightening and yeah, there's a few interpretations about that last scene as well. I mean, spoilers again. I mean, I I, I, I hate having to say spoilers, but you know, there's bound to be somebody watching this who hasn't seen the film. If you haven't seen the film, then just stop this. I mean, we're we're analysing the movie. What do you expect? You're on the internet. What do you think we're going to be talking about but the whole movie? So it's implied. So you talk about the end? Yeah, let's talk the about the end. end. Dying, is, it a dying, um, is it a dying dream? Did he actually shoot himself, or what was it actually? Did he shoot his nose off? It's, what's real? What what it actually took place? I think he did. I think he shot his nose off. Okay, I do. Um, whether he intended to actually kill himself and then just blow his own nose off? Yeah. Because yeah, I liked it, and I I liked the when Zach Galifianakis is like you know it's okay he's got a new nose if he doesn't like him we'll get him another one <laughs> that's so Hollywood and so brilliant exactly and that is another knock on yeah on the Hollywood door and saying yeah hey, you guys well yeah we're watching you we know we're, what you're up we to know, you know what I mean we're not pretending here this is this is this is it and I, I really you know what we've discussed when we talked about Twin Peaks yeah that's one of the, the rare films where when it's finished I couldn't speak and yes. I'm just, I'm, it was that um, Pan's Labyrinth. This film did it. Yeah. That, and, that I know you're gonna want to talk about your different theories in a set, but that when she just, you know, he, he basically goes out the window, doesn't he? Yeah. And then does he drop to his death? We don't know. No. And then his daughter, played by Emma Stone, just walks out, looks down, and she can't see it. Well, she basically notices, notices that he's missing out the hotel room. The window's open. She goes over to the window and looks down. Yeah, she looks around the shop, looks up, and just smiles. Yeah, like she's seen something beautiful, and then it yeah. ends. Oh my god! <laughs> and is it is it evangelical? That's what I was. Kind that's of what thinking. yeah. That's what I went. It was. It's a spiritual moment. She it looks, is. and it's a, a such an iconic look because even her arms are sort of open and she looked up and just smiled. Yeah, as if looking yeah. at something. And for majestic. two people, I mean, two people who are kind of like on on the bench when it comes to. Uh, religious but we totally appreciate spiritualism we totally appreciate the spiritual feeling of because uh, I, I just thought angels I just thought wings of desire he's just literally just going yeah and he but he's not coming back no 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 I don't get that he's coming back from that it's not a because he's come back already he's already jumped off a building or did he or was he wrestled off the top of that building and put into and you know, did he just not was he never on top of the building? Yeah, was he ever there? Yeah, was yeah. he ever living there? I mean, did he then, just get into a taxi? And, yeah. yeah. 
so it is it is amazing and i'm i'm just i'm just glad that edward norton didn't say you know he's actually in his head and he's tyler durden or something <laughs> crazy like that i'm glad they didn't spin it too far they kept it straight it was birdman all along and it's yeah. all you know it's all there and like just just masterful filmmaking it doesn't answer the questions you, you we could watch this film a thousand times and take it a thousand different ways yeah and, and I, I can't wait to watch it again in a way because it always, it always depends on your mood as well I mean when I watch Pan's Labyrinth or The Fountain I don't know if you've ever oh, seen sorry, I love The Fountain yeah there are films that, that really make you think and you go back to because you want it's almost as if you're going back for another hit of something or you want to learn something else mm. you know that there's there are more layers there for you like Taxi Driver every time I watch Taxi Driver I find something else to feel yeah absolutely and it's yeah that's the same with like Mulholland and Drive and films like that yeah which again it's, it's, a, good, it's a good parallel to make because Mulholland Drive is primarily all about Hollywood and it's also a black comedy yeah, yeah some, it is yeah. there's some hilarious moments in that when he comes in and he finds his wife in bed with the um, the, pool, the pool cleaner all of that and, and that's hilarious of the way the pool cleaners look man welcome to start talking about Mulholland Drive and I'm like look man tangent we're all adults one. here tangent number yeah, one tangent number one we're all adults here. Come on, man. Just calm down. It's brilliant. Really funny. Yeah, Mulholland Drive, the, the one thing that got me was the, um, when that um, uh, killer is trying to kill that uh, person in the office and he gets oh, walked yeah. in on by somebody else. So he, shows, he tries to kill her and, and <laughs> shoots through the wall and shoots somebody else. Yeah, that's brilliant. It's just like, wow. That's just, that, that's mind-boggling. <laughs> okay, so... Um, is there any, anything else you want to say about the end? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I kind of wanted to, to just feel it out. But like you say, it is ambiguous. It is. We could talk about all the different routes, different possibilities, but it kind of spoils it yourself because it's a pers- it seems like a, it's a personal yeah. understanding. You take what you need to take. You do, Much like you, I watched it with um, my wife and she... She likes like any kind of film, but mainly we watch horror films together. She's a big, and I, I was thinking with this, it's going to be a bit of a. I'm not sure she's going to really enjoy this as much because I've tried to get her to watch David Lynch films, and she's not really into that kind of. You know, she wants to watch something just enjoy it. You're right, and she was just knocked out by it. And that's that's great because it makes you realize. You know, well, that's it. There are still that's films a, out there that can do that. To yeah, who because just want to just be entertained. I can have that effect watching all Holland Drive, but she wouldn't. She'd watch yeah. it and go, "Yeah, that's not for yeah. me." But this film worked on, on her. Great. That's to, to me is powerful. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not. It's normally like a one in ten people in a room kind of a situation. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, to, what, what about also, How was she? Did she enjoy it? Oh yeah, River Love. She especially liked all the swearing. <laughs> yeah, My five year old daughter. Yeah. Yes. She's, when she saw two girls kiss, she was like, "Well, I actually made her watch that. But I wanted to be <laughs> grow up to be a lesbian." <laughs> so I'm gonna stay in the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no fear. Okay. Well, like we said no fear. We need to be a little bit more good. No. <laughs> I I don't mind. Honestly, that's fine. Okay. So the one last point that I want to make about uh, the Birdman um, is a two-hour-long drum solo. Ooh. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about the music, music first. I love the music. It was fantastic. The sort of jazz drum solo all the way through. I wouldn't buy the soundtrack though. No, I said this to Catherine. No, I think it was Catherine who said that. I said, said, it works for the movie, but you can't separate the soundtrack unless you. And I said, unless you actually intend to play along with it, then you might be able to do a bit of jamming. But yeah, for the movie, it was 
It's really good. It works really well. And it, when the, that's another thing that makes it exciting when they're walking through the corridors and talking. Yeah. The sort of very energetic drum solo, jazz drum solo going on in the background. I love the part when he's with Edward Norton and they walk to the streets and he just walks past the actual drummer, drummer and then doing we, the solo. And then he... Again, brilliant. And then again, when Michael Keaton's real? running what around... When he's running around the stage. I mean, it's hilarious when he's actually running around in his underwear. Oh, that's amazing, yeah. With his hand as a gun. But there's that whole marching band that is the score. Yeah. I've never, ever, never, ever, ever seen a film where the music is a character is actually a part of something more I mean yeah Invasion of the Body Snatchers I thought that the jazz worked really well with the foley and the actual sound design of the film but this one it it just took it to a whole new level it did it did apart from Spice World the movie the music sort of part as a character in Spice World the movie it is because it's the Spice Girls and they are the music exactly they they are music they represent music in all of us it's really (laughs) stood the test of time that film (laughs) <laughs> yeah of, of course Guardians of the Galaxy used music quite appropriately it did very yeah. much so but like you said I've never seen music done to such a great effect like this apart from Spice World apart from Spice World the movie there you go there's your Spice World bit I did it yay have you had your 5% of glory yet oh it's coming have we had it yet I don't know I don't have we know. Oh, I'm not sure. I think we've had a few. Yeah, uh, there's been a few moments, hasn't there? But but the, I think Birdman makes it easy to review. It's one of those films that, you know, it, it really brings it out of you. I mean, there's there's so much that we could talk about Birdemic, but it would we would never be able to be as eloquent or as 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 forgiving <laughs> of, of the actual outcome of the of the actual film. But uh, there's been a lot of bird films. Bird Demic Birdman. The That's it. <laughs> Done it again. Birdemic There's so two. many films with birds in the title. Birdman. Um, Birdland. Bird, the Charlie Parker film. Yeah. Saxophonist. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, it was an interesting thing that um, uh, Michael Keaton said in an interview that um, that he, even though we feel as though that this part was made for him, this part was literally just. I, I written for him perfect it fitted his skin yeah, it, it literally yeah. but he said that he related to this character the least out of all the roles that he's, that he's had he didn't relate to him in, in that personal way but he understood him it's a I see that thing. because that's not he's, he's, he's never been that guy has he no so he's never I been that he, yeah no. so you can never relate to that because Michael Keaton as a person he always seems like a really genuine nice guy but yeah, and I, I, I kind of see that what what we've done as an audience, like we said at the very beginning, and this is kind of going just just kind of do a big circle as from, from how we started. We we said when we saw Birdman, I haven't seen my, Michael Keaton in such a long time, and then we are we kind of like feel as though that we believe that this role relates to him more than it relates to him. That it relates to us. Yeah. So let me just try that again. One second. It'll be the better the second time. I promise you. Right. Okay. We've got it in our heads that that Birdman is exactly what Keaton is uh, experiencing at this time in his career. We've kind of made that reality ourselves, and that's why it's become such a popular question to ask him. You know, do you feel as though that this is representative of your your current situation in your career? because that's what we feel 
that's our experience of Michael Keaton because we feel as though we haven't seen him for such a long time that we don't feel as though that he was ever as great as he was when he did Batman Beetlejuice um, and we miss that we miss that point we forget that they're human beings that he's probably got so many other things going on in his life that it, it doesn't matter he doesn't need to be Michael Keaton the guy who's in every single interview who needs to be on cereal boxes he doesn't need to sell things on the television he doesn't need to to be there in your pocket like some other actors feel as though they have to yeah, yeah. Um, I, could, I could name many yeah but I'm not going to because I know I'll only just get one <laughs> go on no no name many I'm going to name many actors who just Johnny Depp doesn't right. doesn't want to leave your side he's always always wants to be in every every moment of your life <laughs> there it is one George Clooney Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie people who who you know Amy Adams in a way yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Tom Cruise always wants to feel as though make, makes you feel his presence, <laughs> <laughs> like Darth Vader. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, but then you've got actors who just want to do the job and don't want to actually be caught up in the hype yeah. of Hollywood, and that's what he does. Is that's his life. It's personal. He's living a life like everybody else. I know the director wanted him for this. He did want him for that part, yeah. not because of anything, any bird, any relation to his life, but he can. He's really good at traversing the comedic and the drama at the same yes. time. Yeah. So he's looking at it more on a technical standpoint of what the ability of the actor can can bring to a product project. Yeah. 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 And I can believe that. Mm. But isn't it funny how? how I like George so Clooney though. I like Clooney. I do, and, and I, really I, I, don't, I didn't mean to. to, to oh no, you're not, you're not disparaging anybody. I'm yeah. just saying, yeah. But they they do they they're constantly there wherever you look. They're they're advertising things. They're being a part of Hollywood. Um, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio always just there, being a part of Hollywood, and yet. I know I can't see Clooney's face without wanting to drink coffee do anymore. Do, 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 do. Or to chat up beautiful women who were actually already, you know, with yeah. somebody else. But then his humanitarian work is very prolific, so I give him a lot of respect. Clooney is very hands-on with it. Yeah, which very is different. Yeah, he's um, an ambassador for you know. Yeah, and same with Michael Keaton. Yeah. I don't feel as though he's. I mean, he, he, who incidentally changed his name from Michael Douglas to Michael Keaton because he didn't want right. to get confused with the other Michael Douglas. And why Keaton? Because of his love of Buster Keaton, the comedy was that what it was? Yeah, he was a, he was such a huge fan of uh, of Buster Keaton as as growing up, and uh, I think he, he just adopted that because he wanted he, he I mean to begin with he wanted to be a comedy actor, he wanted mm. to be a comedian, stand up, and to, to to be funny. He he's very comfortable with that. He's very comfortable with letting himself go. It's um, funny you mentioned that. So that's why Mel C changed the name. Out of Spice World, the movie. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, right. she wanted to be Mel Keaton, but she's not very good with the alphabet, so she put Mel C, which should be Mel K. Um. And that's where she got. But apart from that, you know, because she likes, you know, Buster Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> because of her wonderful ability to bring comedy to any good situation. Or, exactly. Or song. Um, but yeah, I wanted to be, get off the point quickly because. I, Another actor who actually we believed was had disappeared from the world and then came back with a role that was 
kind of looked like it was written for him Mickey Rourke and the wrestler yeah uh, I see a lot of parallels in the way that we view Keaton's comeback I'm doing air quotes air oh. quotes I'm sorry. yeah it's not a comeback because he's never gone away but then the same went for Mickey Rourke. I mean, if you look at his filmography, he, he was still making films even when he was going through his rough patch. Mm. But he was also doing uh, other things uh, where people were very aware that he was doing other things, but everybody thinks they just disappear off the planet, you know? Mm. But um, but The Wrestler was very much written for him to have a comeback. And there's not a shame to say it. Is that right? Yeah, it's not a shame to say that this, this, this film brought me back to where I wanted to be the thing with Mickey Rock he's he's got that face now yes so he's limited in what he can do unfortunately yeah it, it's it's kind of like the Ron Perlman thing I mean not, not, I'm not picking up on, on any particular kind of thing but the guy from Ghost as well I mean strong features yeah strong features are, are always a kind of a disservice because you always feel as though they're going to be pigeonholed for specific roles yeah um, uh, going back to Michael Keaton he's just got like a, an everyday guy kind look. of quality to him it's the eyebrows it's the eyebrows he's got he's got the most uh, specific to him eyebrows that I've ever known eyebrows to be specific to including Mel C <laughs> Spice World <laughs> her eyebrows are amazing yeah best part of <laughs> um Shit, man! I'm definitely going to get the DVD, and I, I want there to be a commentary. Um, I did. I did have a demanding for that. For even yeah. though it probably doesn't need to, it, it's the film itself is is just enough. I, I would. I'd like a commentary if they're just talking about how how they made it. How they made it like that. I don't want yeah. anyone to start explaining what symbolism in it that, that well that means this, and we want the, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. I don't want that. We just want to want to know how to make the film. That's that's why I, I have the panic room. That's why I love David Fincher because he never does that. He never pontificates about how wonderful his crew are, and he doesn't like to just tell everybody what he's really intending. Mm. Uh, he just tells you how he made the film. That's yeah, that'll be good. That's a proper filmmaker. Yeah. Last question. Go on. How would this film have been if Michael Bay directed it? It would have been a Birdman. Um, aliens come from um, the Sirius system to overtake our planet for its celery growth and um, a superhero called Birdman has to is the only our, is, is humanity's last chance to save our celery and ourselves played by um, Keaton no, it'll be played by Mark Wahlberg, probably. Yeah. Uh, Will Smith will be in it as the lovable sidekick. And there'll be lots of explosions. You wouldn't be able to see much. The Naomi Watts kiss, that'll still be in it. There'll be a full-blown sex scene. <laughs> and um, there'll a be, there'll be whips. lots yeah. of lever whips and then there'll be underage sex. The end. Great. And a pumping soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly. Yeah, no, no, Will Smith would do a song for it. He'd do a song. Yeah. Yo, yo, bird man, coming at ya. Yo, yo, bird man. Are you real? You don't know. 
No, no, we would know because Michael Bay made the film. <laughs> we know exactly. Who's <laughs> no, the other that. guilty? No, no, no. no. But would, 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 would the character still be an actor? But he would be a writer at the beginning of the film and he would just get taken out of the theatre and that would be it. Yeah, what he's an actor. That's his, that's his thing, he's an actor. Yeah. But, yeah, mm-hmm. but in theatres. But secretly, he's Birdman. Yes. But he's never shown his superhero to humanity. He's never felt he had to. But now, these aliens are attacking. He needs to, he needs to bring out yeah. the Birdman. I think John Cusack should be one of the aliens. Yeah, John Cusack. Yeah. And John Cusack as well. Both of them. Both, yeah, both of them. Conjoined. In fact, no, not aliens. The Cusacks are taking over the world. <laughs> and it's up to Mark Wahlberg's Birdman <laughs> to save us. <laughs> I want to write this. This is great. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Are you going for that? Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna go and get the typewriter out. Okay. Excellent. Let's, Let's go. Do this. Whoa. You know, I'm, I'm gonna take this opportunity to to let the people know how they can contact our friends of Frame by Frame. They do that podcast You thing. know, two guys, yeah, they do the podcast, okay? So how... They're nice, the, the like a forest, which is a beautiful thing. Exactly. And so if you want to, to, to do the communicating thing, you know, the social networking uh, thing... Yeah, you can yeah. Uh, you can tweet those guys tweet? at Frame by Frame 78. If you'd like to go to the website, that will be www.com. Roastedportions.com. Hey, hey, hey. You don't need to do the WW. It's implied that it's going to be the World Wide Web. Well, people need to know that. Okay, just go to roastedportions.com. Okay, you go down the right hand side. You've got the social connections. You can you can talk to the people who do the show. You can even talk to uh, uh, the people who made that movie. You know, CACO Free. Who'd want to talk to those mooks? I don't know. They made a pretty interesting movie, right? Yeah. It was in black and white. Yeah, black and white. I yeah, like you know, that. We like black and white because, and there was also some trees in that movie too. Oh, trees! It's like like being in a forest, which is a beautiful thing. Other connections, you can really get to know these people on YouTube as well. And if you want to comment on their on their podcast, I urge you to do that. Okay. Yeah, I think it is a, a proper, really nice thing if people want to start contacting these Subscribe guys. Subscribe to them and then and com- comment. I mean, it's just just polite, you know. Also, you can email them at framebyframe78 at gmail.com. That's it. I think that's everything wrapped up, so. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and plant a tree somewhere. Okay, you go plant some trees. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go, go and plant a tree. I'm gonna go tweet. You tweet. I'll plant a tree. It's us, we're out of here.